Good morning. As uh, Pastor Choi said, I'm, a, I'm an AME, so I've been ordained in the African Methodist Episcopal Church. And so if I were at my church this morning, I would say, let the church say amen. amen. Uh, I see I'm in person for the first time in a long time, because we're still on Zoom. So it's good to see people in person. So I'm going to say that again. Let the church say amen. Amen. And somebody ought to shout, praise the Lord. The God we serve is worthy to be praised from the rising of the sun until the going down of the same. From the moment we open our eyes until we lay our heads on a pillow at night, God is worthy to be praised. I am so honored and humbled and blessed to be with you on this morning in Charlottesville, Virginia. I was, uh, when I was in the Navy, I was stationed in Virginia, but in Portsmouth, Virginia visited Richmond, but I've never been to Charlottesville. So this is a blessing uh, to be in this community on this day. To Pastor Troy Savage, uh, your, your connecting, bridging pastor uh, at this season, uh, I wanna thank him for this kind invitation in his hospitality, his generosity, uh, driving uh, to Richmond to pick me up from the airport there. So I appreciate him for his kindness to uh, Dr. Stefan Wheelock in his absence, absentia. I wanna thank him for us all making this connection. Uh, so it is a tremendous blessing. I wanna thank Sister Maria uh, who picked me up this morning. She's someplace here, right? Oh. Oh, okay, okay, I'm looking, I'm looking over here, you're way over there, okay. I want to thank her for her, her kindness as well. So all the leaders uh, of the Victory Church, all of the members of this wonderful, uh, diverse body of Christ, this community of faith, uh, it is wonderful, an awesome blessing to be here on this day. And so I greet you in the name of the one who on Calvary turned foolishness into wisdom, weakness into strength, and a cross of torture into a tree of life, even Jesus, the Lord. And I'm grateful to have this chance to uh, say a word, as they say on the Lord's behalf, Amen. on this Sunday, Sunday morning. Whenever you go to a new church, a new community, you gotta get, get, get your bearings. So if you'd help me uh, for a moment here, let me get my bearings here with your, uh, your lectern so I can uh, do what I need to do. I wanna read a passage of scripture from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 17, verses 11 through 19. Luke chapter 17, verses 11 through 19. It's a familiar passage of scripture. It says, on the way to Jerusalem, Jesus was going through the region between Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered a village, 10 lepers approached him 
Keeping their distance, they called out saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And when he saw them, he said to them, go and show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were made clean. Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice. He prostrated himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. And he was a Samaritan. Then Jesus asked, were not ten made clean? But the other nine, where are they? Was none of them found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? Then he said to them, get up, him, get up and go on your way. Your faith has made you well. I want to preach from the subject, when thanks turns to praise, when thanks turns to praise. I invite you to join me in the spirit of prayer. God, not by might nor by power, but by your spirit do we live and move and have our very being. And so I would pray that you would let the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. For you are our strength and our redeemer. Hide me behind the cross. Keep me under the drippings of your blood that your name might be praised. And whatever you do, God, however you do it, get the glory and the honor for yourself. We'll be careful and mindful to say that Jesus did it. For it's in his name and for his sake we pray. Amen. I lift my hands in total adoration unto you. You reign on the throne, for you are God and God alone. Because of you my cloudy days are gone, and I can sing to you this song. I just want to say that I love you more than anything. I love you, Jesus. I worship and adore you. Just want to tell you that I love you more than anything. I love you, Jesus. I worship and adore you. Just want to tell you that I love you more than anything. I love you, Jesus. I worship and adore you. Just want to tell you that I love you more than anything. When thanks turns to praise, vivid memories stream into my consciousness when I reflect upon my growing up years in the Blanks household, there, there were certain things that were sacrosanct in that family unit. That there were certain realities that were non-negotiable. There were certain rules of etiquette that were the order of the day. In my world, you were taught early that you did not address adults by their first names. 
you had to put a handle on it and refer to persons who were your elders or your seniors as Mr. or Mrs. or Miss or Reverend or Doctor. Now, I don't know what other families are like, but that was my family. And, and if perchance uh, someone called you on the phone uh, before they could get you on the phone, if your parent, in this case my grandparent, answered the phone, they were expected to ask how they were doing before the phone was handed off to you. And I, I remember calling a friend once, and I failed to inquire about how her mother was doing. Uh, you can believe me that her mother read me the riot act. I, I made an immediate course correction. Uh, then I got to speak to my friend. I was raised by two Southerners. My grandparents were from North, from South Carolina. Uh, my grandmother, Mamie Blanks, grew up in a little town called Estelle, South Carolina, uh, which is 52 miles south of Savannah. My grandfather, Samuel Blanks, he hailed from the capital city of Columbia. And you were taught that respecting your elders, doing unto others as you would have them do unto you, honoring the humanity of all people you knew well or you were just meeting was a prerequisite. My, my grandparents spoke to me verbally and non-verbally, and you always received the same message with the understanding that you were being prepared to live in a world that was much larger than yourself. With, with a particular look or expression on her face, my grandmother could get you back in line without saying a word. And, and like so many others, learning to say please and thank you inevitably were second nature. My, my cousin and I knew that although we were being raised in northern New Jersey in Newark, the largest city in New Jersey, an urban center, but within our family there were some urbane sensibilities. We, we knew that we could not get away with much, and we realized that what seemed like peculiar prerequisites helped in shaping our lives for our good and the good of others. Whenever I read this familiar passage from Luke's Gospel, I am aware of the seeming absence of those basic rules of etiquette that I was taught so long ago. The, the story is captivating because it captures a living portrait of humanity at its best and at its worst. Jesus focuses attention on the nine who do simply what he told them to do, and that was to go and show themselves to the priests. The law demanded that when the dreaded disease of leprosy was, secure, was cured, that a priest declares one was ritually clean and, able, and, able, and allowed them to be able to return to their community. That they were doing what Jesus told them to do, following the rules. That their first encounter with Jesus is not asking for healing at all, no healing of any kind or are they asking for. No, they do not say to Jesus, Jesus, heal us. Their, their cry is an appeal for mercy. They, they say, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. Why mercy, my friends, over against healing? Healing is what they wanted. Healing is what they needed. They, they knew something that we may need to know, that it is the mercy of God 
that provides us comprehensive coverage over the essence of our existence. God's mercy grants something that exceeds anything that we could ever ask for or think of. It is the loving kindness, compassionate benevolence, blessing that is an act of divine favor. Mercy given freely and fully is what they received. God does something for them and for us that we could never ever do for ourselves. God reaches across the chasm and separates us from full participation, that separates us from the full participation in the realm of life and responds to our need, our need for mercy. Healing was what they most likely wanted, but mercy was what they needed. That the temptation is to be extremely harsh with these nine lepers that did not receive, did, did not return to say those all too important words that contain so much power. Scholars have pondered why the nine did not return. It, it's an interesting question that we will, that will emerge repeatedly whenever the text is preached. However, I'm much more interested in the one who came all the way back. I'm interested in that one that received the mercy and could not contain his thanksgiving and praise. He, he was with his fellow lepers. and They were on their way to a new lease on life. But something strange and wonderful must have begun to happen as he was traveling towards the temple. His skin began to return to its natural color. Sores were healed. Blemishes were blotted out. The disease that had made him an outcast was being cured right before his eyes. He looked at his brothers and saw that they were being restored to health too. They had lived together and he knew them intimately and knew the battle and the war that they faced as members of the society that were untouchable and unclean. And yet in this moment was this amazing transformation Something wholly other had taken place, and it had to do with the mercy of God. Friends, he runs back, prostrates himself, falls down at the feet of Jesus, and thanked him. This Samaritan, this foreigner, realized that his blessing stirred something up on the inside. It was an indescribable praise to God. Thanks turns to praise. He, he could not help himself. If you've ever had that moment when something so extraordinary, something so phenomenal, something out of the boundary line happens, and you find yourself not just thanking, but jumping and running and enjoying, basking in that experience in that moment, that's what happened to that one leper. He, 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 he couldn't contain himself. And, and that's what needs to happen to us. To those of us who dare say that we believe in a great God, a, a God who does for us that which we could never ever do for ourselves. The God who holds us up when we are 
feeling like we are sinking into an abyss. The God who stands next to us and leans in on us to remind us that even though we may be tilting, we will not go to the ground. That the God who says to us, you are beloved, I know you by your name. Thank you is the praise of the living and loving God that so envelops us. Praise is a form of worship and worship, Max Licato says, is when you're aware that what you have been given is far greater than what you can give. Or worship is the awareness that were it not for God's touch, we would still be hobbling and hurting, bitter and broken. Worship is the half-glazed expression on the parched face of a desert pilgrim as they discover that the oasis is not a mirage. Worship is the thank you that refuses to be silenced. That the very first person to reach the status of billionaire in America was a man who knew how to set goals and follow through. At the age of 23, he had become a millionaire. And by the age of 50, a billionaire. Every decision, attitude, and relationship was tailored to create personal power and wealth. But three years later, at the age of 53, he became ill. His entire body was consumed with pain. He lost all of his hair. In complete agony, the world's only billionaire could only could buy anything he wanted, but could only digest milk and crackers. An associate wrote these words. He said, and I quote, he could not sleep, would not smile, and nothing in life meant anything to him. His personal, highly skilled physicians predicted he would die within a year. But the years, the year passed agonizingly, slowly. And as he approached an inevitable death, he awoke one morning with the vague remembrances of a dream. He could barely recall what it was, but it had something to do with not being able to take any of his successes with him into the next world. The man who controlled the world of business suddenly realized that he was not in control of his own life. He was left with a choice. He called his attorneys, his accountants, and managers, and announced that he wanted to channel his assets to hospitals, research, and mission work. On that day, John Davison Rockefeller established his foundation. But the, mo the most amazing part of this story is that the moment he decided to give back a portion of all that he had earned, his body's chemistry altered so significantly that he got better. He, it looked like he would die at 53, but he lived to 98. Rockefeller learned gratitude and gave back from his wealth. Doing so made him whole. One could venture to say that people will say, will say thank you, but is that enough? Thanks that turns to praise is extravagant gratitude joyful freedom, and a willingness to go beyond what is required. I'm just going to put a plug in here because I'm only visiting. <laughs> uh, in my denomination, uh, one of our stewardship, uh, I want to call it tenants, 
is that we tithe. And so it's in our book of discipline that that's how we resource the church. And so many people, many people, some people, Pastor Troy, some people give 10%. And they think that that's, they're doing really well. And some people are. But in the New Testament, there is no limit on what one can give. It, it breaks the bounds of generosity. And so what I would say to us is that when thanks turns to praise, we recognize that nothing that we give would ever be enough. And so we want to draw from the wellspring that is within us because God has been just that good to us. Meister Eckhart, the Catholic theologian, says this, if the only prayer you ever pray in your entire life is thank you, that will be enough. But thanks that turns to praise is more than enough. Thanks that turns to praise is when we acknowledge that the alarm clock may have gone off as scheduled, but it was the Almighty One who woke us up yeah. this morning. Thanks that turns to praise is when we realize that the reasonable portion of health and strength that we enjoy is all because of the God who has created us in divine image and likeness. Thanks turns to praise when we recall that having the ability to move and to be the faculties to think are precious gifts of God not to ever be taken for granted. Thanks turns to praise when we can testify unabashedly and unashamedly that if it had not been for the Lord on our side. Thanks turns to praise when we remember and merely think about the goodness and the greatness of a mighty God. Thanks that turns to praise is not just about feelings, but about the facts. I, I like the story that a preacher once told about a chess match between God and Satan over two millenniums ago, millenniums ago. The, the eternal match opens with a pawn move, and God puts the human race in the Garden of Eden. Satan counters by coming as a serpent and deceives the family of God. God moves and tells the snake that one would come that would crush his head. And Satan counters by coercing a Cain to kill Abel. God moves again and calls Abraham and Sarah, telling them to go to a land that God would show them and God would make them a great nation. Satan counters by placing the nation in bondage. God moves by delivering Israel from Egypt. Satan counters by having the people build a golden calf while Moses is on the mountain seeking God. And God moves by allowing them to wander in the wilderness, leading into the promised land. Satan counters by making them ask for a king like the other nations, rejecting the leadership of God. And God moves the, king to build, moves the kings to build a temple and lead in the service of God. Satan counters by leading the people away from God. God moves by sending prophets to show the people the right way back to God. Satan counters by allowing the nations to overturn the kingdom and destroy the temple. God moves by sending more prophets, getting rid of the Babylonians and letting the people come back home and rebuild Jerusalem and the temple. Satan counters by making the people go astray, defile the temple, turn away from God and persecute the prophets. God then contemplates God's next move. 
100 years pass and God just waits. 200 years pass and God still waits. 400 years pass and God decides to move God's king. God decides to send the son. God moves God's king. Satan counters by putting the king on the cross. Satan leans back in a chair, smiles, and says, check. You, if you come out of my tradition of the church, you'll hear sometimes some old preachers say they hung him high and stretched him wide, and Satan said, check. They pierced Jesus in a side, and Satan said, check. He hung his head and died, and Satan said, check. And God just sat there looking at the board all day Friday, looking at the board all of Saturday, just looking at the board all night, Saturday night, looking at the board, but early on a Sunday morning, before the sun rose on the eastern horizon, before the birds began chirping to announce the dawning of a new day, before the flowers opened their blooms to release the fragrance, God said, wait a minute, I have another move. God made that last move, and Jesus got up with all power on earth. Amen. Jesus got up, and God leaned back and smiled and said, check, double check, and checkmate. My brothers and my sisters, my sisters and my brothers, thanks can turn to praise because of all that God has done to bring us back unto God's self, Amen. to bring us to, to, to be at one with the true and the living God, to allow us on a Sunday morning to be in an elementary school to worship God in the beauty of holiness. So my brothers and my sisters, my sisters and my brothers, I'm going to conclude in this way. The doxology says these words, praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise God, all creatures here below. Praise God above, ye heavenly host. Praise God, creator, redeemer, indweller. Praise God, Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. As you are moving through life, whether you are at the university or in larger Charlottesville, whenever you realize how much God has done for you, you ought to turn around, run back, Throw yourself before the living Christ and say thank you and praise you for all that you have done, for all that you are doing, and for all that I dare to believe you can do by faith. I love you, Jesus. I worship and adore you. Just want to tell you that I love you more than anything. Amen. on this on this Sunday morning we have the opportunity not only to hear the gospel preach and the gospel is preached through the prayers that are prayed, 
through the scriptures that are read, through the invitations that are extended to us on this Sunday morning. It's an opportunity if you have never made a commitment of your life to the Christ, you've never said yes to the Christ, you've never asked God through the person of Christ to forgive you of your sins, to cleanse you of everything that is unrighteous and to be your savior and your Lord. You can do that this morning, you can say yes to this Christ. I say often at, at my church, uh, will life automatically become perfect? The answer is no. But, but what I want you to know is that you'll have a perfect savior that will walk with you and be with you every step of the way. And there's nowhere that you can go in the world where this savior, this Christ, this delivering one will not be. When we come into relationship with God through the person of Christ, what we come to know is that we're, we're in a situation where God is inescapable. Psalm 139 reminds us of that. There's nowhere that we can go where God is not. And even when we're hiding out, God is in the space with us. And so that's the first invitation for you to come and make a decision for Christ. I'm not sure exactly how this is done, but you're, you can come and somebody will pray with you and pray for you as you make that decision. The second invitation uh, in most churches is that you might want to come and be a part of the Victory community. Come to be a part of this reconciling church, this family of God, where people see you and know you and acknowledge you. And as our sister comes to sing, I'm going to turn it over to Pastor Troy. 